Good morning. I'm Donna Tyson, and I hope you'll join us every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock for Rivers of Faith program here on Zeus Radio Network and hearwomentalk.com. It is so exciting to be here with you, sharing stories of encouragement. We hope that as you listen today, your heart will be inspired, and that as you leave us today, that you'll feel a little bit stronger to face the challenges in our everyday life. Every week, we're going to try to bring in an interesting guest, and um, this week, I am delighted to have my very first guest as Debbie Brewer, someone who has certainly inspired my soul, and Debbie, I'm going to start at the very beginning and ask you, first off, to say good morning to everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me as your first guest, Donna. What what an honor. Um, And I I know that the show is going to be used to bless so many people's hearts. Ah, We're so excited about it. And a lot of people don't know you. We have listeners from all over the country. And so, Debbie, I'm going to ask you to share your story. It's a powerful story about you and your son. And tell us why you're here today. Well, I have a 15-year-old son named Weston. And we've been on a journey uh, since Christmas of 2007 that we've been able to share with people and and, uh, hopefully inspire them, encourage them. Um, I want to start with a different story, though, if you will, if, if you'll let me. A few years before what happened with with our family we um, had moved to Myrtle Beach from Chattanooga Tennessee and one of the things that our family missed was those delicious steamy crystal burgers (laughs) so when we heard that a crystal burger joint was coming to town we made sure that we were there the very first week that it was open so my two boys, uh, Weston, uh, I also have a, another son younger than Weston. His name is Caleb. Uh, my two boys and I, my dad, uh, my stepmom, went to Crystal. And we sat down and we're enjoying that delicious steamy goodness. And we noticed there's another uh, gentleman, a younger man, sitting at another table by himself. And he keeps looking up at our table and particularly seems interested in Weston. And I'm not sure what to make of this. Um, you know, he would, he would look down and then he'd stare some more until he see, I saw that I made eye contact with him. And, and you were checking to make sure I, you I didn't have mustard on your nose or <laughs> <laughs> anything yeah. spilled. Yeah, and to make sure he's not, you know, taking secret pictures. It's kind of, kind of sure. unsettling when somebody's staring your family down. Well, he got up and came to our table and he said, I am so sorry to disturb your lunch. And he put his hand on Weston's shoulder. He said, but God has been talking to me while I'm sitting there, and I can't leave until I tell you this. He said, God is going to use this young man in a mighty way. Oh, my gosh. And I could not think of anything more intelligent to say at the time than, well, thank you for delivering the message. <laughs> were you all involved in the church at that time? We were. Um, okay. This was a gentleman that we did not know. We made some small talk. He said that he was a youth pastor from somewhere on the north end of the beach. And um, he, again, apologized to us for interrupting lunch. And he went on his way. And. Wow. A couple of days later, Weston asked me, um, he would have been 10, 11 years old at that point, he said, what did that man mean? Did that, does that mean that I'm supposed to be a preacher? And I answered him and said, you know, 
I don't know for sure what that means. But I do know that you need to be ready that maybe you're supposed to be a preacher. Maybe you will just be the one that says the right thing at the right moment to the right person to get a domino effect into play so that they can be used by God. And now how long before the accident did this happen? It was it was a year or two. Okay. I, I have not gone back and looked up the opening date. Sure. But it was one of those things that stuck in your mind, especially... Um, Absolutely. Especially after the fact of the accident. Well, flash forward. Okay. Christmas of 2007. Okay. Um, my family always went to um, Saluda, South Carolina. Oh, it's where the grandparents live at Christmas. And we were there. We'd been there a couple of days. It was December 27th. In fact, we were getting ready to leave. Okay. Um, Weston and his cousin had enjoyed a day of fireworks and playing basketball, um, skateboarding, just having a, a really good time, what, what family holidays are. Sure. Um, my husband, Graham, and his brother had been uh, shooting guns. They had a um, 45 caliber revolver that they had been shooting earlier in the day. And they were sitting on the steps, the porch steps, admiring this gun. And Weston and his cousin were playing in the driveway next to where the steps were. My husband, Graham, is such a safety fanatic with guns. He spun the chamber to check that there wasn't a bullet. He handed it to his brother. His brother handed it back to him. Out of habit, he spun the chamber again to check if there was a bullet. Mm -hmm. He then started thumbing the hammer on the gun, um, checking the action, mm -hmm. and his thumb slipped off the hammer. The hammer hit the barrel, and there was a bullet in that barrel. Weston, wow. at the same time, in a near spatial impossibility, I don't think a Hollywood stunt producer could line this up, Weston happened to be skateboarding by looking down at his feet, the bullet went through his head, and our lives were changed. I can't even imagine. As I sit here and listen to you, the hair on my arms is just standing, because I think that must be a parent's worst nightmare that is around guns. Mm -hmm. And to hear the gun go off and then see that a bullet had been released and hit Weston. Were you in the house? I was in the house. Okay. I was, I was um, on the computer at the time. Um, outside was Graham, his brother, Weston, and his cousin. Um, my first inkling that anything was wrong was Graham came in and uh, was just, had just this, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. And um, I can't imagine words would come. Yeah, and uh, Weston's cousin came in behind him going, call 911, call 911. And so 911 answered, and the right. ambulance came. And at that time, they didn't think that Weston was going to live, did they? No, no. Weston was um, s still, still had vital signs um, when the ambulance came. He was uh, transported. Um, by life, life helicopter, life flight to Palmetto Richland in Columbia. Um, we got to the hospital, and 
the doctor came in and he said, Weston is still alive. He said, it's possible that he may make it through the night, but it's not probable. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of go through your head and go, where have I heard of anybody surviving an injury like this sure. before? And I had, I, I had never heard of that. You know, if I say to you, so-and-so got shot through the head, oh, you're, you're wondering when the funeral is. Sure. You know? um, he wasn't supposed to make it 24 hours. He did. He wasn't supposed to survive 36 hours, but he did. We have uh, since found out that the statistics um, on a survival rate for a gunshot through the head is 5%, with wow. those with a front-to-back injury faring the best. Weston's injury was side-to-side. -side. Um, and of those, only 3% go on to live any kind of quality life. We had been told that the best we could hope for, best-case scenario, would be that Weston would be in a permanent vegetative state. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, their, what, what they were thinking was going to happen would happen so fast that they didn't even bother to clean the wound for those first 36 hours. Debbie, I remember being in the area here in Myrtle Beach when that happened, and I can remember the phone calls that went out to everybody in the church and everybody that knew you all through the community or work, and just the incredible outpouring of prayer. Um, in retrospect, mm -hmm. could, could you comment on the power of support from the community and the church and prayer during that time when you have absolutely no control over what's happening? Oh, wow. It was so amazing. The faith that Weston's friends um, showed. Weston was a student at Christian Academy of Myrtle Beach. He was a member of the basketball team, and his number was 41. And these kids wanted so badly to support Weston, pray, they, but they didn't know what to pray. And one of his friends said, well, I, I know where prayers are in the Bible. I'll go to Psalm. And he said, and I'll go to Psalm chapter 41 because that was Weston's basketball number. Mm -hmm. And as he was reading, he got to verse 3. And verse 3 talks about how the Lord will sustain him and raise him from his sick bed. And they just kind of took off with that. Um, they were so supportive. Uh, there were bumper stickers, Pray for Weston, with that verse on it. Um, and we saw things happening at the hospital. Um, Weston started responding. Um, he would track things kind of with his eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and we just started to see great things happening uh, there and there was awesome communication with everybody just people coming to columbia to support us and love on us i tell you what well we appreciate you telling us how you got to the point of in the hospital where the miracles really start to take over we're going to take a short break we'll be right back with River, rivers of faith here on zeus radio network hear women talk and we have been talking with debbie brewer 
about her incredible testimony of a gunshot wound to the head of her 12-year-old son, Weston, and um, how it happened. And when we left, he was in the hospital beating all odds, continuing to live through the night. And um, Deb, how's Weston doing now? It's been two and a half years. It has been. Um, Weston is enrolled in ninth grade for this fall. He only lost a year of school, um, and that was mainly because he was in the hospital for seven months um, doing rehab and and, uh, getting better. He is enrolled on college track uh, with the exception of one class. So he is doing he is doing remarkably well, cognitively fabulous. Just that is one of those I will call a miracle. Absolutely. And um, his his uh, major things now are physical. Okay. Um, he is in a wheelchair. He has um, use of his right hand. He is able to stand with assistance. He is taking steps at a at a glorified walker, a gait trainer, um, with assistance, and and he wants to walk, and that's what he's working toward. Um, his left arm is he doesn't have any functional use of that left arm, but he is making gains every day with how much more he's able to reach with it, um, the hitting target with it, um, just. He, he's just, he's doing, he's doing fabulously. That's great. Well, and tell everyone that if you go to the uh, www.hearwomentalk.com, where most of you clicked on this station live to listen, that if you go to the Rivers of Faith group, um, if you click on the tab that says groups and go to Rivers of Faith, we posted a YouTube video that is uh, of the Western Brewer story, and it shows Weston now in his wheelchair and some of the miracles that we've talked about. It will touch your heart. I would certainly encourage you to do that and to join that um, Rivers of Faith group on there. want to let you know that you can call in and talk with us and share your thoughts this morning. You can call in at 646 652 2071. Again, that's 646-652-2071. We'd love to talk to you on the air. Or you can go to your computer and join us on live chat. And there also is a button where you can do that. So we're hoping that you will share your thoughts and, and ideas with us as we continue to hear this story about Weston this morning. We have a, a chat comment here that wants to know what's asked Weston's attitude right now. Weston has had the best attitude, I think, of, of the whole family through all of this. <laughs> um, he does whatever's asked of him in therapy, uh, in spades. I think any of his teachers can testify to just the perseverance uh, he has. Um, and, and he does not have just really down I can't believe this happened to me Um, I can't believe I can't do this I I can count on less than one hand how many times he's publicly displayed a moment like that and and that's amazing because a lot of people when we go through the loss of physical control Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to fall into victim mode with that by me Lord right by me and I think Weston's perception of himself right now is as a kid in a cast. Oh. It, it just, it's really annoying, and it itches <laughs> a whole lot, and I wish I could scratch it, but it will get better. And I, I 
think that's been his attitude, and um, that's what has carried him through. Have you ever talked with him about the comment that was made by the gentleman there in the Crystal Burger? Oh, my word. <laughs> I have, and I've talked with my dad and my stepmom who are also there, and the interesting thing about it is that none of us remember him the same way. Wow. It's and vast difference. So you've never seen this man again? Never seen him again. Well, I hope he's listening today. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be awesome to find out who it was, if for nothing more than to find out which one of us remembers him correctly. <laughs> well, um, we were also talking about um, the miracle. The yes. end, and I want to talk about that for a moment, because there are some people who don't believe in miracles anymore. And um, that's really hard for me because I do believe Weston is a miracle in that. And, and I want to talk about how this experience has impacted your family and your faith as a family. Well, I will confess that I, I was one of those people that believed that miracles were for biblical times. Miracles are what God used to show people that didn't have evangelists, that didn't have missionaries coming to them, that had not seen Jesus. Miracles were what was used so that the power and glory of God could be displayed. What I found out in Columbia um, was that there were things that were, were happening that could not be attributed to anything other than divine intervention. And did, how did the doctors feel about that? When, the, when he was surviving against all medical odds, did they use the words miracle? The doctors did not. Okay. We had one sweet nurse that kept saying, I've seen miracles before. And she has stayed in touch with us, and she has told us, I wanted to tell you so badly that I knew Weston was going to be one of those because she knew it. When Weston had um, had surgery to have a feeding tube implanted directly into his stomach while he was in the trauma unit, the doctor came in to check on him, and Weston kind of kind of came to and was was vocalizing that he was in distress, that he didn't he didn't know where he was, um, and that doctor backed into the doorway and put his hands on his head and said the surgeon said he wouldn't do this. And that is when a miracle takes place, mm -hmm. when it is beyond anything that we know to be, to be able to happen in right. our earthly realm on that. Well, and then miracles are for our time too, and they, they take a different form, I think. Our pastor came while we were in the hospital in Columbia and told us that the miracle was not going to be in whether Weston lived or died, that there was no victory there for Satan because Weston had, had been saved, had claimed Christ as his Savior at a very young age, way before this accident happened. So there was no victory there in Weston's death for Satan, the definite victory for, for God, for Christ. But the miracle was going to be how our family handled this crisis for the days and the weeks and the months and the years to follow. And I really want to talk about this for a second because there are a lot of people out there right now 
who are hurting in, in many different situations, whether it is through an illness or an accident or mm-hmm. a loss of a job or a marriage, and that really feel like they've lost control of their life. And, and when we talk about miracles, when we talk about the power of prayer, it's easy to believe that you want what you want to happen, and right. that's the miracle. But your comment is so profound there. The miracle isn't in the outcome. It's in the journey of how you accept it. There's a beautiful book that I love that I talk about in my seminars, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning. And I would really encourage anybody out there to go get this book. It's a little paperback read. You can read it in an hour. And um, it was voted one of the ten most significant books ever written in the history of our society. And it's by Viktor Frankl, who was a Holocaust survivor. And he describes his entire experience of going through Holocaust and Everything he knew as his life being taken away from him, his home and his family and his ability to work and all his material possessions, his ability to practice his religion. And when it was taken away from him and he and after he survived and got through it and was on the other side telling the story, the reporters asked him how he felt. And he said, let me tell you what I've learned. My greatest freedom is my freedom to choose my attitude. They can take everything I have, but they cannot have my spirit unless I give it to them. And to me, that's the miracle. When you can't control what's happening, you Mm -hmm. always have the power to control the way you let it impact your life. And I have got chill bumps. That is is exactly, exactly how, how we have felt through all of this, it is. Um, during those first days, uh, a friend had come to the waiting room, and as she left, she whispered in my ear, find your verse. Find your verse yeah. that's going to get you through this. And the classmates, the schoolmates at Christian Academy had sent us bags and bags and bags of cards that they had made. And <laughs> it was it was really sweet. There were a lot of... Um, scripture that were what you would expect in situations Mm -hmm. like this but I opened one from a precious girl Claudia and Claudia Markley Mm -hmm. and it had in it Psalm 118 24 this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it and that just gripped my heart and I thought this is how I'm going to get through Mm -hmm. every day on this day, I am going to find something to rejoice in. So when Weston opened his eyes for the first time and cried out because he had no idea what was going on, why he was in this room, it, even though it was agonizing to know that your child is terrified and you can't make him understand what's going on, I would rejoice that his eyes had opened mm-hmm. and that he had verbalized. Wow. That's important. That's, that's, I hope you're listening. you got to claim a verse, something that gives you strength. And it mm-hmm. can come from the strangest places. Yours came from a young girl mm-hmm. who had claimed that and sent it to you. Right. And um, I, w- I want to talk reality about family structure with you, Deb, because mm-hmm. I think that the guilt, even though there was absolutely nothing intentional in that gun going off. He had oh, right. really tried to be safe in the handling of it and was very aware of the safety issues involved in having a, a gun there. There had to be an incredible amount of guilt that Graham felt. 
Oh, How sure. do you deal with that as a wife when you see your husband struggling with that, when he's looking at his son hurting like that? What, what, what did you do? How did you hold on there? How did you hold the marriage together there? That is, that is so agonizing to watch. And one of the very first things that, that God gave me a total peace about and resolution to in my heart was that this was an accident Mm -hmm. that this did not have anything to do with any malintent Mm -hmm. Uh, it was an accident and and I have a a great story of how God had prepped us for the conversation that kept us together. Well, we're going to come back to that story. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Rivers of Faith here on Hear Women Talk on Zeus Radio Network. I shouldn't write and talk at the same time, Deb. I want to make sure in our next 30 minutes that we have... Um, the time to cover so much here and and Deb has been sharing with us her story this is Debbie Brewer here as our guest talking about the tragic hunting accident one hunting no. actually though it was a gunshot wound I always thought it was a hunting accident no. see there's always a fact you don't know <laughs> and um, when Weston was accidentally shot through the head and they told her there was no chance her 12 year old son was going to live and that if he did, he would be a vegetable. And he has definitely proven that we don't always know what tomorrow holds. We're talking about the family structure and the pressure that this kind of accident, this kind of tragedy causes within a family about standing by your spouse and making sure that in anger mm-hmm. or frustration that you don't utter words that could in any way place a sense of guilt or condemnation on someone. Right. And, um, and Deb, how did you keep your strength not to do that, to, to never jump out and lash out at him? Because they tell me that that happens a lot in families. It can actually tear a lot of families apart when there's this kind of crisis. You know, the simplest thing is just to decide that it's not an option. Great. We had, in fact, had a conversation on our way to Saluda that very Christmas. Um, I'm one of these that can't sit still. I'm not a good passenger in a car. I want something to do. (laughs) I have a Swiffer duster so I can clean as we go down the road. And I was working on our budget for for the next year as we're traveling down the road. And I looked at Graham and I said, you know, if we didn't tithe, we could be living pretty high. (laughs) Ten percent's a lot. And we were kind of just laughing and, well, you know, that's not an option. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's not an option. And so that led into a conversation about things that were not an option for us. It was not an option for us not to pay our tithe. It was not an option for us financially to not pay the house payment. If we needed to get food we you know we could go have good family nights with other friends and get food there there were just things that were not an option so it's the discipline of consciously choosing the filter that you're going to use in dealing with the crisis on the strength of god though okay they an elder came to us in the hospital and he was telling us about spiritual warfare and that Satan wants to drive a wedge in a family. And that's why he just salivates at situations like this. 
And I decided in that conversation that I was not going to be an instrument of the devil. So Graham came out of, of the ICU room and sat, uh, he and I sat with our pastor. And he said, Graham, tell Debbie what your fears are here. And Graham said, I'm afraid that one stupid accident of mine has cost me my wife, has cost me my relationship with my other's child, mm-hmm. um, probably has cost me my son, because at that point we were still just watching the clock tick, um, has ruined us financially. I'm losing everything. Mm-hmm. That was his greatest fear. And our pastor looked at me and he said, Debbie, tell Graham what you think about that. And I looked at Graham, and because God had prepared us with that conversation in the car, all I had to say to him, eye to eye, was it's not an option. Wow. So maybe we should all be having those conversations with people that we love and our families, talking about uh, what is an option and what isn't in dealing in our relationship. And the fact that you all continue to talk. Because mm-hmm. sometimes pain shuts down communication. You mm-hmm. can't express what you're feeling. And so you clam up and you assume that everybody around you will understand right. how wise that you had a pastor that came in and said, tell us your fears. I heard an acrostic one time for fear and it said, fantasized experiences appearing real. Mm-hmm. And I love that yeah. because the fear is the what if. Mm-hmm. And and if we base our continuing action and communication on the at the fear right. and and those what ifs being real, we lose power. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's I, I should tell you too. You know, there's a huge edit button because you don't want to accidentally say yeah. something. Um, it, it, it's been kind of funny watching friends. Um, have conversations with us and they'll say something and they'll come back three days later and go I hope I didn't offend you or hurt somebody's feelings Uh, or make you uncomfortable and in reality it's something we didn't give a second thought to but but you do even in your dealings with your spouse and with your children you do have this huge editing going on in your head going "Ooh, is that could that be taken a different way (laughs) and I want to ask you about that because as as someone who is outside of that knew you through the community but not as a good friend Mm -hmm. um, you don't know how close to get to that person you don't want to interfere in their space you don't want to jump in and be a ambulance you know chaser and look for the crisis and and go run to that but you want those people to know that you honestly love them and care for them Mm -hmm. tell us what meant the most to you on the part of community support and friend support when you were going through the crisis of not knowing if Weston was going to live or die? Oh, wow. Just the presence of the friends that came to Columbia to see us, the the emails that were being sent to us. Uh, we started a Care Pages site once we got to Atlanta. Weston did his rehab at um, Children's Health Care of Atlanta at Scottish Rite. And you're st- you still have that Care Page site up. So if anybody wants to follow this story, even now, um, mm-hmm. I watched it this week. You've posted yeah. twice of yeah. Weston's battle at trying to stand right, on his right. own weight. Give us the Care Pages link so it's, somebody can follow it if they'd like. Sure, it's www.carepages.com. 
It will ask you to sign up. They don't spam you. It's simply a way to notify you when there is an update. And Weston's care page name is Weston Brewer, one word. That's all one word. Okay. W-E-S-T-O-N-B-R-E-W-E-R. Great. Great. And I do still update it from time to time, not near as much now that the crisis have, have passed. Uh, but I do try to keep those uh, around the country uh, up to date with what's happening with Weston. Great. Well, and we just posted that on our chat line on www.hearwomentalk. The chat line is up. If you have questions, please go there and chat them over to us, or you can call us live on air at 646-652-2071. We continue to talk. I'm really interested in the family relationship here. You know, Caleb is how much younger than Weston? Caleb is four and a half years younger than Weston, and just what a ray of sunshine. He is, he is just awesome. Well, I want to talk about Caleb for a moment, because in the middle of the crisis, I love the story of the fish. That wasn't really a fish. It was kind of like a fish combination, football, baseball. It was um, a greeting card kind of thing that, that Caleb put together. He had gone with the child life specialist, somebody that came in to help him deal with the sights and sounds of the hospital setting, the things that were going on with his brother. Um, she had taken him and asked him if he wanted to make a card for his brother. And he said, he said, of course, that he would. Uh, we had been at the hospital for about three days at this point. Okay. He chose to make an orange fish, because Weston is a big Tennessee fan, um, with a blue tail, because he's a big Colts fan, because he's a big Peyton Manning fan. That's <laughs> <laughs> where the connection comes there. Weston is a big sports guy, uh, wants to be a sports agent when he grows up. So one side of the fish has a baseball for an eye, the other side of the fish had a football for an eye. And Caleb finished constructing the fish, drew Atlanta Braves logos on it because he loves the Braves, uh, Weston does, and drew a Colts logo on it. And he took it into this room where adults had been sitting trying to console each other. Um, leaders, spiritual leaders had been in there praying. Just the real sense of repression wa sure. was in there. This was a, a horrific thing going on. So Caleb takes his baseball football fish into the room with a bucket of markers and said, I've made this fish for my brother. I want you to sign it. And when everybody had signed it, Caleb gathered them into a private room. And he said, we're going to pass around the fish. And when the fish comes to you, I want you to say a prayer for my brother. And in that single act... Caleb was able to do what these spiritual leaders had been trying to do for three days. And how old was he then? Caleb was eight. Okay. And, and I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Because at eight years old, if your older brother is lying there bleeding and, and you don't know if he's going to live, many parents wouldn't have allowed him to be there. Mm -hmm. They would have tried to shield him right. from that situation. Was that ever a consideration for you to separate out? The siblings? Well, there are, there are, of course, those those rules in the hospital where you, you can't come back. But everybody thought Weston was on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. And Caleb was allowed to go in and see Weston. 
And we have a nighttime ritual that we've been doing with these boys um, forever. And we take turns saying our prayers at night. Well, from the very beginning, Caleb's prayer was, God, I know you can make Weston better. But if you don't, I know that that's going to be okay, too. Uh, That breaks my heart. (laughs) I'm telling you, I listened to this, and I listened to a child praying with the kind of faith of saying, it is well with my soul. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, God, I know that you're in control here. Right. And as an adult, that just really puts me in my place. It that, does. That I should have that kind of faith as a child. It does. It's kind of like the person standing up, you know, when people are going, there's fire, there's fire. The one person that stands up and goes, there's no fire. <laughs> you know, okay, everybody calm down. Well, we're going to take another short break, and we'll be right back to talk for the last 15 minutes about where Weston is now and, and your walk of faith, Debbie. Thank you. And Deb was whispering the name of the show to me as we were coming back on to make sure I didn't forget the name of the show. I I didn't write during break that time. I stayed focused so I'd remember where we were. wanted to remind you that we do have um, the phone lines open. If you have a question of Debbie, if you have something you'd like to share that has touched her heart... um, let her know that you're listening. And, and she just whispered, do you think anybody is, is getting the, the message? And I said, I think they are. The chat line's full of comments saying that uh, their heart has been touched and that it's a good show. And we so appreciate your support on this. Again, the phone line is 646-652-2071. Or you can click the chat button and talk to us. And we're definitely reading those comments along the way. Deb wanted to make sure everybody did know that she and and her husband are still together and and the family is intact and probably stronger than ever having walked through this um, tragedy together. Deb, I want to talk for a second about about the healing process because it's been two and a half years now and and you are sharing your testimony in different churches. Um, She's actually got it written out. Did you tell me that you've shared your story with someone tell me where else this has taken you that you didn't know that was going this was going to happen i have had the opportunity to share my story with uh saluda baptist church in saluda south carolina Uh, that was graham's church uh, as he grew up so it was a very very friendly audience knew us from when we were little (laughs) watched us grow up i've also had the opportunity to share with sweetwater baptist church in north augusta south carolina um, just sweet, sweet people and really appreciate um, the opportunity because that was, that was our prayer from the beginning that, that if we had to go through something like this to let us do it with grace and let us be able to glorify God in it. Wow, that's great. Well, we do have a call that wants to talk to us live. This is Paige from Georgia. Paige, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And I just want to touch um and 
Paige, we're having a hard time hearing you. We're cutting in and out. I'm afraid we've got a bad connection. I'm going to ask you if you would just hang up and call us back. Let's see if we can get a better connection because there's obviously something good on your heart that we want to hear. And so we're going to wait for Paige to try to call back, see if we can get a better connection there. I did hear every other word, and she was talking about how it's touched her life. She's driving in the car and listening to the words of knowledge that you're sharing, Deb. Isn't technology amazing? She's driving down the road listening to an internet program. That That is just awesome. And those technologies, that connection with people has been a huge blessing in staying t- together um, through the Care Pages website, email, Facebook. Facebook. I oh, love Facebook. Yeah, Weston's that's where we reconnected Facebook. again. That's right. It was great. Weston is on Facebook. Weston is on Facebook. There is one of his friends, and we still don't know who anonymously, set up a fan page for Weston. It's Weston uh. Brewer Keep On Rolling Man. <laughs> I love it. And I just want to remind you, in case you're listening, Paige, the, the um, phone number is 646-652-2071. If you want to call and let us know how this show is impacted in your life and you know I'm always interested in what one thing stayed with you what's your aha that you've heard this morning I don't think it's ever an accident when we're connected to people and they come from the most incredible places those words of encouragement it could be a book we pick up a radio show we turned on um, something you never expected and so I'm always looking for what stays in people's hearts there, somebody had given me a devotional uh, while Weston and I were in Atlanta when he did his day rehab after inpatient was done. Weston and I uh, stayed in Atlanta to continue with that program. And someone had given me a devotional, um, uh, and, and the, the lady who had written it, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it, was the mother of a special needs child. Uh. And... A sentence in there said that I will. N- I realized that I will never know life as if this had never happened, and that was my aha. I cried, but it wasn't like me crying. It was just. Sure. It was just a release of, okay, you're never going to know life as if. This it didn't happen. Well, we picked the theme music for the um, the show coming up, and and I wanted to that old hymn, and you all can hear it as we come in and out of the show on breaks. It's it is well with my soul, and when peace like a river attendeth my soul, and that's what I hear in your voice, Debbie. I'm I'm listening to you share just an incredible crisis, a mother's heart's worst nightmare, and yet you have this peace about you. You have this aura of trusting that no matter what happened, even if Weston had been called on home, Mm -hmm. that you would have said, okay, Lord, it's okay. Um, How do you get there? For the person listening that is weary now, and their faith is really starting to be tested, and and they're wondering, I can't do the feel good anymore. I can't I can't pretend like everything's okay anymore. Do you have those days? I do have those days. Oh yes, okay. I have those days. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of of quiet alone places to have those. Uh, but my car has been a fabulous one after dropping boys off from at school and. There are days when things like um, 
Weston just turned 15 in April, where I should be taking him to the DMV to get his learner's permit, mm -hmm. will just fly all over me. And God knows every thought that comes to our head and, and every emotion in our heart. And he knows that I feel a lot better if I can just rail it out to him. Sure. So if you've seen me going down the highway, <laughs> fist pumping, how dare you? You might want to switch lanes if you see Debbie's car coming. <laughs> but, but just to acknowledge those, uh, just to acknowledge those feelings, let them be. And that it's okay to do that. Yeah. Do you know, I, I think um, I have the Bible on tape, and I had a seven-hour drive here to Myrtle Beach from Virginia, and I actually pulled out the, the Bible on tape and listened to Job on the way up here. Mm -hmm. And he certainly was a man of God who had been blessed incredibly, and then everything was taken away. His mm -hmm. Everything was taken away from Job. And he questioned God out loud. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he talked about his feelings but always came back to the decision to believe. Right. David did the same thing. I mean, the, the great examples of, of faith in the Bible, that's what it boils down to. Okay, I'm, I'm going to question. I'm going to be very upset about this. And, but when it comes down to it, you surrender that you absolutely are not in control. You absolutely have nothing to do with anything, but God does. And maybe that's the hardest part of all when we face the crisis and the challenges in life. I think the very thing that is our strength in life, that, that makes us able to survive and accomplish and be successful in life, is also our weakness. I know it is mm -hmm. for me as a, as a woman professional. And you start to think you are in control, that right. you can fix everything if you just try hard enough. And then you hit a crisis, a point where it's really a turning point in your life, and you can't fix it, and you can't change it, and you start to realize you can't be okay by your strength, that you really have to trust in God and Absolutely. His strength to carry you in that time. I remember one of the days in the, the trauma unit, I came to this place, this realization that okay, what if all of those fears are right? What if we're going to lose our house? What if we're going to lose our son? Mm -hmm. What if everything is going to be gone? And God whispered to me, am I still going to be enough? Wow. And I absolutely had the confidence that, yes, he was. What a powerful statement. To hear God whispering, am I enough, no matter what. We, we have a wonderful person following us on chat. Marilyn, I want to thank you. You've been chatting in some wonderful comments and questions. And, and Marilyn just typed this in and said, if we have no control, was the accident not an accident? Do you believe that was an accident, Debbie, or do you believe that it was already going to happen in time, as per the man in the crystal um, cafeteria? Well, well, the you know the guy in Crystal didn't say your son's going to be horribly injured. Um, I believe that yes, accidents are accidents, but I also believe that God, in His divinity and His oversight of all time, knowing how each thing is going to touch the next, 
has control over those things. Not that God, I do not believe God caused this. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that God did this. Um, But that he has used each step to to edify, to encourage somebody somewhere. what would be the point of doing anything sure. if if he wasn't? And again, I want to come back to something we said earlier. When we talk about not having control, there there is always in life something that you can't control if it happens or not. But the power comes in controlling the way you let it impact your life. Right. In the decision that you make of the filter that you're going to use in the way that you treasure the gift of life that's been given you from that point. Mm -hmm. There's a a YouTube video that is going around, and actually I think the gentleman just spoke in Roanoke, Virginia, recently of the gentleman that has no arms nor legs, and yet every weekend he shares his testimony in churches about how blessed he is. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, just like listening to your story, those of us who might have been complaining this morning, uh, you know, about our kid getting on our nerves and, and counting down the days till school starts again. And then you hear a mother who's, you know, every day celebrating that her son is still alive and, and a walking miracle every day. And what joy that brings. And there's such power in you doing that, Dub. Did you ever think you'd be doing uh, radio shows and speaking engagements in the churches? Is that your? Has that been a dream of yours before this? <laughs> that this gave you the platform, or is this something new for you? Oh no, no. Um, I I work at, at the church. Um, my volunteering is with the large group uh, for our elementary school students. So getting up in front of people has never scared me. It's another one of those ways that God has perfectly prepared me for what he wants me to do. Um, no, I did not think I would be sharing anything with churches that wasn't already <laughs> scripted. Well, was there a book that you read during this time that has given you great strength or encouragement? I know you said that the Bible did, and there were mm-hmm. Bible verses that did, and people that loved you. Was there a book that you read that helped you put things in context, or are you not a reader? <laughs> I love I love to read, and uh, we got Weston a Kindle for the ease of of turning pages, and I have commandeered that from him. So I've read more books (laughs) in the last (laughs) few months than I've read in the last 10 years. Um, There are are books that um, the devotionals, small bits. Okay. Like things in small bits. So that may be a good gift to give someone. If you know they're going through a hard time, take them a devotional that they can read a paragraph a day that'll feed their soul. Deb, we're going to have to start wrapping it up here. We thank you so much for coming on. We will continue to pray for you and Weston and your family. I thank you so much for sharing your positive energy and wisdom and knowledge with us. And I pray that someone out there has been inspired as you lift as you listen today, we're going to be joining you every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock with this Rivers of Faith show. Every week, we're going to bring on a different person to share their story. Next week, we have Miss Liz Gillen, who is the county chair, and she's going to talk about being a woman in politics with a target on your back <laughs> and uh, being a single female, the loss of her mom recently and her 
beloved dog and I know they I know when we're talking about Weston that may not sound as big but when you love your animal and they're your child that's a hard loss so we hope you'll plan to tune in with us next Tuesday again this is Donna Tyson with Rivers of Faith on Zeus Radio Network at hearwomentalk.com please go to the site join our Rivers of Faith group if you know someone whose walk of faith has inspired you I'd sure appreciate you letting me know about it and maybe we can bring them on the show also I hope the Rivers of Faith carry you gently today through life thank you again so much for your support God bless